Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Why it matters. Money FM 89.3. I'm Elliot Danker. It's now time for Why It Matters. And let's talk about AI. According to Google, AI is too important not to regulate and too important not to regulate well. It's highly likely that artificial intelligence will be regulated and in some ways it already has. In fact, according to a joint paper seen by Reuters, an agreement on how AI should be regulated in the future has been reached by Germany, France and Italy and it's expected to accelerate negotiations at a European level. We're going to talk about the potential upcoming regulations and whether or not it's sufficient to rein in AI. On the line with me is Paul Tan, Partner and Head of Arbitration for Asia at Gibson Dunn. Paul, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good afternoon, Elliot. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time. I'd like to get your personal definition of AI, and the reason I ask that is because isn't this something that's constantly evolving as well? Therefore, definition is also going to evolve. Yes, I think the iterations of AI that we've been seeing has evolved through time. I think the early forms of AI, people were talking about it in the sense of a machine or a computer reacting to a set of permutations. Mm. So the classic example would be the machines that could play chess against a human. And now, AI, when we talk about AI, we are really referring to the ability of machines to also learn on the basis of information and data that has been fed into it. And they're able to generate, they're able to recognize, they're able to act on their own. And then, of course, if we talk about the future of AI, I think there are many who think that there is a possibility that AI machines in the future would be able to interact with each other to be able to discern needs and emotions and beliefs and thoughts and maybe even possess self-awareness in time to come. <laughs> that's so, the whole spectrum. Yeah, that's uh, my Terminator theory coming out again. Okay, Paul, bear with me. I'm trying to, to classify this legal question, right? So when you have uh, legal situations where, take for example, NDAs are signed with a company, they do not apply if action is taken against a person from a company because that person is a person and a company is a company. Does this mean that with AI moving forward, you will have classifications of AI for business, AI AI for, I don't know, daily use or certain people? Yeah, I think when it comes to the question of how you classify Mm. AI, of course, it it moves between different classifications depending on the business and depending on use. But I think I would put them broadly into two classifications. One is sort of uh, what I would consider sort of productivity tools. So AI that can help you with diaries, call up information, turning Word documents into PowerPoint. And then there's the whole other one, which is the one that I think most people are concerned about, which is sort of external-facing or consumer-facing AI tools, recognition mm-hmm. software, algorithms that can learn and exploit behavior. I think that's the one that most people are concerned about when it comes to how you deal with AI in the future. So what is the current state of play when it comes to regulating AI? I mean, it sounds like it's going to be quite broad and challenging. Yes, yes, it is. And I think you made a reference just now to a sort of a joint statement between certain European countries about AI regulation. But I think even that is still fairly at a very high level. And I don't see a rush to regulate AI at the moment because a lot of governments are wary about stunting its potential growth. So what we're seeing is sort of very broad policy statement, very broad core values that are being articulated in terms of accountability, in terms of using it for good purposes, etc. 
but very little hard regulation that, that has come out so far. Yeah. So even in Singapore, there is a model AI framework. Mm. Again, very broad principles based on the OECD, but there's no hard law that says you can do this or you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I think the closest that you get to is the European Commission, which mm-hmm. is working on a set of regulations where it will define certain users of AI as being a sort of red line and mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't use it for those purposes, like exploitation of children being yeah. one example. Yeah. And then, but the rest of it, I think, will be very much left to self-regulation industry regulation and so on. Mm. Paul, stop me anytime if I get too excited because uh, this this really fascinates me. I mean, at the end of the day, would it be fair to say, and, and really that's because of our case law that we have here, you can't really have a proper regulation of law, fine-tune that regulation of law until a crime because of AI is actually committed and how do you enforce that because, and pardon if it's too basic, we tend to think of mens rea and actors rea, but then you can't say that about a AI, a machine. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting yeah, excited, think- I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right and I think, you know, it really challenges sort of traditional conceptions of the law and I think what we will see is very specific regulation in specific areas. So like, for instance, I think the MAS is looking at potential regulation over uh, the use of data analytics um, when it comes to the financial industry. So I can see that within specific industries, there is a bit more rules for that industry to say, okay, let's have some specific rules and guidance on that. But I think if you're talking about across the board legislation, Mm. I think that's a lot harder because of the difficulties of preempting and predicting what can come up and how it can be used. So for now, we have to work within a balance of compliance, yet you need that space for innovation as well. In most ways, it's kind of like what we see in social media or, or even way back when we had the uh, CrimPro Act where it was this use of trace together and, and that is a form of AI in that sense that check in, check out. It's, it's difficult though to find that balance. Yes, I think so. And, and I think that's why what governments have been doing is to try and just articulate uh, basic principles. Okay. And it has, what it's done, I think the most advanced form of this is to ask companies and individuals who are deploying AI to think about the risks that their use of AI can contribute. Mm. So, and the greater the risk, the more accountability and the more steps you have to take towards showing that you are regulating it, monitoring its use, making sure that you're not collecting data and using it for purposes other than what you say you're collecting it for. So I think that is a kind of spectrum approach that they are using. So the higher the risk, the more regulation I think we will see. But the lower the risk, the less regulation and I think the more self-regulation you will see. So I think that's Mm. the dichotomy that we're going to start seeing. Paul, you get the sense that this is going to be the basis of ethics class in law school now because if you look at a country's cultural or even a political complexion, that could potentially affect regulation. Say, for example, a smart city. I mean, that's promoting innovation as well. So you're going to have better regulation as a result. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you use uh, you bring up the topic of ethics <laughs> yeah. because obviously it's been in the news, you know, that the legal profession, <laughs> I think, let's just say, has sometimes uh, resorted to, let's say, chat GPT to generate yeah. answers and yeah. there's a question of uh, is that checking or not. But of course, that's not unique to the legal profession. I think any industry or business that uses technology 
to help itself to be more productive has to be careful about things like copyright, yeah. things like making sure that there is a check, a human check on yeah. the, the veracity of the information that's being put out there, making sure that you are not manipulating uh, information or using generative AI to create false impressions of certain things or events for marketing purposes, for instance, or even you know using AI to track what your customers are doing without informing them that's what's happening. Mm. So I think you're absolutely right that we have to have a sense of ethics and I think it does start from school but unfortunately it has, you know, AI has dominated or is yeah. dominating the business industry and so we have to make sure that those who are using it in the business arena as well who are way out of law school yeah. or, or way out of business school yeah. they too are aware of the ethical implications of what's happening. I mean to be fair even our industry the, the legal industry is kind of trying to navigate very carefully I mean, it was a completely side question how is the legal industry navigating Navigating the world of AI? I think different firms have adopted to it in different ways. I think you see the larger international firms, for instance, they are sort of in a sandbox at the moment where they are experimenting with tools like Harvey to try and see whether yeah. or not they can actually use AI in a way that is both ethical but productive at the same time. And I think what we will see is applications for research, trawling the internet for information, and then also potentially for helping with sort of very routine transactional work where it's going through tons and tons of contracts and you, you need something to help you amalgamate that information quickly. But I think at the end of the day, most law firms and lawyers, I think, recognize that the human judgment yeah. that is what clients want at the end of the day and the advice that they want is not something that can be replicated easily with AI. Mm. Perhaps until such time, you know, that it yeah. has become so advanced that it can really intuit and it can really emote and it can really make judgment calls. But until that day comes, I think the use of AI is more in trying to increase our productivity more than anything else. Yeah, you're lucky there because for a short moment, a couple of paralegals were panicking. <laughs> um, <laughs> just a final question. This is very quite curious about this. ESG seems to be the way of the future. Where do you see AI regulation fitting in that? I mean, it could go a long way. Yeah, I think it comes in in a couple of ways. One is that it's a part of a company's corporate governance, mm. how you use it mm -hmm. uh, and how you deploy it and what are the monitors that you place on the use of that AI, I think it can be considered part of the G, part yeah. of governance. Okay, okay. But AI, of course, can be used, as I said, in, in many ways. So if you use it in recruitment exercises, for instance, you know, if you're a thousand applicants and use AI to try and sieve out who are the best ones for you. Yeah. That could implicate considerations of discrimination, for instance. Yeah. If the way that you feed or train the AI can be criticized, it's an S concern within the ESG. Okay. So that, uh, so I see AI as being very much part of a wider ESG issue as well uh, and not completely separate. It'd be interesting, right, to see if AI can actually help certain, and, and I'm, I'm jumping on the cultural track here, help certain mm. cultures or, or, or families for that matter break the cycle, if you get what I mean, because of this balance point of view. Yeah, I, but I think as uh, the, the way the technology works is mm. that it, it is really dependent on, on how it learns and, and what it's being yeah, fed, yeah, the historical yeah. data. That's yeah. fed. And I think that's the, the critical component yeah. as well that I think sometimes is missed. Yeah. And of course, if you feed it information that you know, it tends to be slightly biased in, in one direction yeah. or another, then it can actually perpetuate some of the systemic issues that 
we have in society. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the danger, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to be fair, AI is still in that learning phase, and we don't know how long more it's going to need to learn. A scary thought, but very complex issues. Uh, I've been speaking with Paul Tan, partner and head of arbitration for Asia at Gibson Dunn. Paul, I appreciate your time. Take care and have a great evening ahead. All right. Thank you very much, Elliot. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.